0: Hey, this is Heber from Kicking Valentina, and you're listening to these three crazy-ass motherfuckers, The Dave and Steve Show.
1: Previously on The Dave and Steve Show. So don't put your penis in the same pocket as your phone. That's
2: my advice. Oh, yeah. that's. Uh, I think, actually, that's uh, that's on Apple's yeah, website. Yeah, don't say that right there on the, <laughs> on the site. Unleashing a swarm of, Beli- of, uh, of uh, uh, Belize bees from, from oh. Belize.
1: Steve this is sort of like your how you take the harsh stance of being anti child abuse and anti cancer I am pro B I'm strongly pro B Did we talk about my my groin crotchel region issue as a guy you've looked down there thousands hundreds of thousands of times to to use the bathroom and something's different and it's terrifyingly different
0: so oh looks like you got it you got prince princess frostine here we go all the way to the end good job
2: quote He has an erroneous, yeah, he is an erroneous, oh, excuse me, not not erroneous, God. He is an enormous, (laughs) stop the show. I have some very strong opinions about local honey. I like local honey, I think it's great. Anyway, the hashtag ask an archivist, excuse me. There we go. Grimace
0: is an erroneous (laughs) taste bud, and I love him.
1: Show number 73 of the Dave and Steve Show. I am Dave, sitting right alongside me a mere 27 miles away is Steve.
0: I am Steve, sitting right alongside me a mere 27 miles away is...
1: (sighs) And from parts unknown, the lovely and buxom, Tracy.
2: What you hear is a reading problem. I I don't read word for word. I read (laughs) sort of like thought for thought. And the thoughts are random in my head, so that's what you get.
1: I think it's smart that we put you in charge of reading the news then. Show number 73 of the Dave and Steve Show. We are off and running. We've got a special guest tonight. It's a special guest who is so special, I'm going to butcher his name every single time I say it. So I'm going to try this. His name is Christos Caligaru. I think I got that pretty close. Don't he,
2: call him Christoph. He gets
0: pissed off.
2: Christos wow.
0: Kangaroo.
1: And he is author no. of the book Wild Dogs, An Adventure in Adolescence. You can find it everywhere. As you'll learn in the interview... The book is great by itself. It's a it's a biography that he wrote about his time at a boarding school in Canada and the shenanigans that he got into that ultimately got him expelled. It took it took a couple years but he did enough stuff to where he did something so bad he got expelled for it. We're not going to talk about what it is. You got to read the book. But the point of all this is as he mentions and as you'll hear him mention all of the profits he's not taking any profits at all from this book. They're all going to a foundation that is for a friend of his that he lost along the way. Uh, sounds like she was very important in his life, and she was a star pupil at this same school that he attended. So now all of the profits are going to this, and this is basically I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher summarizing what this is for. But Steve, maybe you can talk a little bit about the or Tracy, either one, can talk a little bit about the swabbing and sort of getting people into the database for this
0: effort. Uh, efforts to uh, create well find matches for uh, people that need bone marrow transplants uh, really are 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 surprisingly easy for you to do. To get a swab and swab your DNA, and then it puts it into a registry, and then that allows for uh, your you know your DNA to be matched up with somebody else that really might need it so healthy bone marrow for people that need it and you can save lives with this and he's saved lives with this in fact I know he is he's he's talked about it a little bit but it's really important to uh, pay attention to that uh that piece and uh, if you can um we'll we'll post this in the show's notes so you can uh, you can go take a look and uh, go get yourself swabbed yourself
1: if you're listening to this though just know that All the proceeds. Christoph is not taking any, excuse me, and I just did it, Tracy, and he's going to hate me for it, and I'm sorry. I put an F on the end of his name. It's Christos. Christos is not taking a dime of the profits from this and that's really important to i want to emphasize that as much as i can he is everything right. all profits go toward all proceeds go towards this
2: so yeah and as he talks about in the interview his book is doing remarkably well it was number 2 in fiction in wall uh, in wall street journal non and uh, it started to appear on the uh, has charted on usa today so it's already uh raising just by its own merits is doing uh just doing very well and uh and he is again this is all basically for those proceeds
1: So I'm asking the listeners this, before you even listen to the interview that we're about to present, and it's going to hit in about 30 seconds to a minute here, just go buy the book and know that you're doing the right thing by buying this book and that the proceeds are going somewhere special. So it's Wild Dogs, an adventure in adolescence. And I'm asking you right now, just pause, go get it. You can get the Kindle version for 99 cents on Amazon. You can get the paperback version for 16 bucks. Go drop a little coin and and do the right thing here. The book itself is fantastic. As you'll hear throughout the interview, uh, he got into some wild shit during his time in high school. It's a, it's a worthy read. We all, all three of us kind of blasted through it pretty quickly ahead of the interview because it is such a good read. So go check it out for yourself and know that the proceeds are going somewhere important. Uh, With that out of the way, we're going to get right to the interview. I'm not even going to bother with Christos' last name trying it again right now. I'm just going to say, listen to the interview. I think I get it pretty right. Pretty right? Come on, Mm -hmm. Dave. Come on, Dave. I think I get pretty close to getting it right. Goodly. He does it goodly. For his introduction. Here it is right now on the Dave and Steve Show. Our guest tonight on the show has written a book that is equal parts Lord of the Flies, Stand By Me, and Smokey and the Bandit. The crazy part is that it's all totally true. Wild Dogs and Adventure in Adolescence is a book that promises to teach the power of redemption, the importance of friendships, and the value of working with the system instead of working against it. This is where it gets difficult, because the name's coming up, and I know the name's coming up. Here to discuss that book is the author. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a big Dave and Steve show welcome to Mr. Christos Caligaroo. So, did I get close on the name? Even close?
3: You nailed it, man. Okay, (laughs) great. Smooth as a miracle whip.
1: So, Christos, the the first thing I want to mention is so I've read this book, okay? I've read this book cover to cover, Wild Dogs. Thank you. And if I did not know where the proceeds of this book were going. And if I didn't know a little bit about the introduction that you give in the book about the book, I, I, I don't know. And take this in the spirit in which I intend it. I don't know that I would come away necessarily liking you based on the antics from the book. (laughs) And what I mean is, (laughs) and I say this because I was a similar kid in high school. I was the, the jack off who was, who was screwing around, who was pranking people, who was sort of, the obnoxious kid in school. The difference between you and I is that I didn't ever take it to the point that you took it of getting expelled from school. I I did a lot of pranking. I did a lot of, I was a smart ass. I was a jokester, kind of all those different things. And so I know that I don't necessarily like me as a high school student. uh, And you and I are cut from a very similar cloth. And so there's that side of it where I read it and go, yeah, this was just, this was a guy that just pulled a lot of pranks and did a lot of things to people. But then I read the introduction. And on top of that, I read the last chapter, two chapters of your book, where you talk about the redemption side of things and how you've sort of gone back to the school after the fact. So I don't necessarily want to get into, because I want people to to buy this book and read this book. It's a fantastic book. And I want you to, I don't want to spoil what, you took too far to get you expelled from the school. But what I would like to talk about first and foremost is where the proceeds of this book are going and why.
3: So all the proceeds uh, for the, for the book wild dogs goes to the Mandy Schwartz foundation, uh, which is something that hit pretty close to home, not just for me, but for a lot of hounds uh, that went to the same private school as I did. Uh, Mandy was a year (coughs) below me in, uh, in grade and was someone who really valued her time there and, You know, essentially what we would say would, you know, did everything right. She excelled in sports, excelled in um, school and just took the opportunity that a lot of kids don't get very seriously. I, as you'll read, did the complete opposite. So, you know, a lot of things you'll read about were obviously me making money, being a jackass, what have you. It never really dawned on me to, even if, if that wasn't the case, to really take proceeds for something like this because it was everybody's story. Right. Um, you know, and everybody's lived this if they're a teenager. So I was like, the obviously the unfortunate circumstances came up, and and that's why uh, the funds go there. Well, so and I don't I, think yeah. any
1: profits from it. And I think um, I, again, I hope you understood the the way I, because I'm not. Sometimes I'm I I, I host the podcast. I'm not so mm. good with the words. Sometimes <laughs> I I don't say things the way I meant to. I actually I came away from the book. I I would say about halfway through the book, I just thought to myself. Yeah, this this guy just played a lot of pranks. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not vibing with this as far as when does this sort of flip the switch and when do we get to that redemption part? And I was very happy to know that we did get there. And there is a positive end to this story. And when you look back on things, we all do things at that age where we look back on it as adults and you think, like, why did I do that? Or I wish I could go back and just even though it was in high school and hopefully by now the person that I did these things to feels the same way i do that we were high school kids and you do shit when you've got hormones raging and all that kind of stuff there's still that you want to go back to some of those people and say like look sorry that i in this case hit you in the face with a a cup of pudding like yeah
3: and you know what's crazy is that individual is like even at the height when that had happened went to bat for me and was like hey you know don't blame chris blame the asshole older guys that he was trying to fit in with or, or or you know etc and i was like you got you got to be fucking kidding me like i couldn't believe it and she did and i just went to school with a lot of people like that that were just very patient with me be it teachers or other students because i was an orangutan there man i mean as you'll read about <laughs> yeah. and a lot of kids were and i don't know and i touched on in the book on a serious note i don't think or know if i would be alive if it wasn't for the place right even though it was screwing around when i was there what would i have been doing if i didn't have that amount of eyes on me right so
0: okay i I, now um i i i'm I'm with dave right so i'm in the middle of the book and i send dave a text saying i don't know if i like this kid um and my job then yeah you 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 did you sneaky bastard um (laughs) i do want to know i do want to know did you send that girl uh, uh, an apology card because you still owe that girl an apology. No, because, because,
3: because when that happened, we still went to school for two more years. So it was water under the bridge a week later. And if I saw her, I'd hug her, ask her how she is. Like, it's not, Um, there's no hard feelings there. I mean, that's what, that's
0: what it sounded like. I just, yeah. I, that really no. hit. I'm like, I'm like, he did not. No, and, that,
3: and that, that place when, you know, you know, obviously very sports and tor- uh, sports, orientated school developed a lot of strong women they, they let you know yeah you were being a dickhead and and that's something that i don't know i just i remember her going i was young i was like 15 i remember her going to bat for me and i couldn't believe it i was like this is it i'm gonna get in a lot of fucking
1: shit right now so and we, I didn't. we sort of jumped the gun a little bit and that's my fault because i took us there okay <laughs> take <laughs> us take us back real quick because there's people out there going pudding cup girl what the hell are you talking about school which school Give us a quick brief synopsis of the book at a high level so that people can kind of catch up to what we're talking about right now.
3: Went to a, a private boarding school and, you know, initially I was like, man, I don't want to go. I don't want to leave my friends that I have back in Alberta. And then after about a week, I realized man, I don't have a sleepover with my friends every day for the next year, right? at least. <laughs> so all those things that you would do, I was doing in a very confined area. And, um, again, glad that that was the case because I don't know how much more trouble I would have got in if it, if it wasn't for the place. So it's just someone, you know, going through the motions, but at a private school.
2: And so also, here's the, qu- oh, here's the question ahead, I kind of wanted to know is like, what, what was the, what was the reason that you were sent away to like a a, a province over? Was there something about your personality or something that, um, that they sent you away to school to achieve something or? I never,
3: I never did well in school. I mean, it's something that I struggled with even when I was trying to pay attention because we didn't really know at that time and that, that era, you know, learning and disabilities were unfortunately uh, more of an excuse than a, than a reality. Uh, I had a very hard time learning and focusing and I had, you know, uh, attention deficit disorder, which Notre Dame helped me with lots because you had uh, a lot of for every three students there was one teacher or one administrator that's a ratio you're not getting in a public system and i understand that a lot of individuals couldn't afford to get a a private education but i did but the funny thing is is that it is a at the time and and still in a lot of ways is known as a is a very profound hockey school and i can barely skate (laughs) that's not an exaggeration you talk to anybody who went to school they're like this kid is 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 fucking awful on a set of blades like, it is treacherous. And some of my very close friends are are still extremely good hockey players. So the whole thing is hilarious. But I basically went away. You know, my brother, I don't want to say rougher crowd, but, you know, you're getting into trouble. And I was a follower. I was certainly not a leader, as you'll read about. And it was the, the best move for me that I'll never be able to repay my parents.
1: Well, I think, you know, and again, the... Ultimately, and I'm not, I'm not giving too much away here, but ultimately you got expelled from the school. And we won't go yes. into the reasons as to why you got expelled from the school. But there were a lot of things leading up to it where if you stacked all of these things up and you heard somebody tell this these stories of, the again, like I say, the water fights, the food fights, the barn door incident that you go into great detail about. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you got to read the book to find out. All of these different things... if if you talked to one person who had done all these things, you'd be like, no, you didn't do that. You didn't do that many things. It's pretty obvious. It's it's painfully obvious in that book that you, in fact, did do all these things, and you were on that trajectory of eventually anybody who's sort of doing these types of things, eventually it's going to catch up to you in a way to where you have to sort of stop, whether that's drug addiction or whatever it might be. There is something that eventually sort of smacks you in the face and says it is time to pay attention to what you're doing here because this is not a good path to be on. And I'm just curious, if you hadn't got expelled and you had gone on the trajectory that you were going on, where do you think you would have been? Where would that have led? Because you obviously, you went down this path for a reason and the universe or whatever you want to say sort of had played this part into throwing that frying pan in your face to stop you there but what if
3: to, to be honest to be honest with you dave I, I i don't think about it too much like i'm glad i got expelled right and i know it sounds crazy but the school had to they, they they needed to make it it wasn't even making an example i they had let it let so many things go that they probably wouldn't have for other students because i charmed my way back in it altered my life in, in a good way and Yeah, I mean, I don't know. If I wouldn't have got expelled, that doesn't mean that my grades wouldn't have been better. So I don't think I would have went to university or got a scholarship like a lot of the guys I know now. And just some people need – I had a teacher tell me one time about some people just levitate towards the the, the bumpy road. Yeah. Always are taking the shit road. And that is even after I, like – I don't know if you want to say smartened up, but matured a little bit. I still take the bumpy road yeah i still don't listen to reason in a lot of ways not that it's as catastrophic as it was when i was in high school but still i'm like oh no the hard way that's always not worked for me so i'll just keep doing that
1: but i hear and i hear that um i you know when i was reading the book you have this this new found i don't know um respect for uh, sort of the people that worked there, the students that were there, what they were trying to do, what they were trying to accomplish. And you've got this amazing perspective now around things like, you start the book by saying what a profound impact this had, not only on you, but it was, I don't remember if it was first or second time, but it was one of the only times you had seen your sister cry. Yeah, And and that's, Still, such, an, that's such an interesting way again. to go back to what I said, like it's such an interesting way to start that book because had you not started it that way, I would have a completely, myself, a completely different perspective from you. You end the book touching on various things throughout the book, including, and again, if you don't know what I'm referencing here, it's okay. Read the book and you'll know, but the knife and losing the knife yeah, and how you reflect on that now and realize the importance of something as small as a knife, but how you wish that's something you could go back and, and change. And so those are the, when you talk about the, the tales of redemption and things of that nature, that's what I think shines so true about this book, is that it is somebody who has taken a step back from that craziness of those high school years and has fresh eyes and is reflecting on these things from adult, an adult perspective. And that's yeah. what I really appreciated. I think, mo-
3: I think most of the things that we do in our youth, I mean, you can't go back mm. and change them, but they're not things that you can't come back from. So I'm never going to find, you know, and I mean, maybe in these 20 years he has, I doubt it, uh, found, you know, Terry's knife again. But I've since met with Terry and sat with his wife and had a laugh. And it's years later and you realize how minuscule those things are. What was very difficult in writing this was that this is me now writing about me then. Right. when you talk about, I don't know if I like this kid. I didn't like that kid.
0: Right. Oh, no. At all. Hey, I didn't like me either, man. Don't, t- don't take offense.
3: I think we can all relate to that. Yeah. We can laugh about it now. But when I talk about these things that I'm going through in my, in my book, it was the end of the world. And I, re- I, re- I put myself back there. And I'm like, man, the patience these people had, not yeah. just staff, uh, but the friends that I had there. And I, they're still friends to this day. And I'm like, how are you still friends with me?
2: Yeah. Yeah. For as much as the book was really about you and your story, one of the things I took away from it was that the people who surrounded you, particularly this school, uh, was not only prepared to take people who were like you said, able to do all the things right. And so to understand the moment they were in and the opportunities they had, but they were willing to sort of maximize your situation too. And they knew, and they were prepared for you. Yeah. And so, so the core values of the school were really magnified as much as you, as they weren't any, maybe the the model student or model athlete or anyone else that's uh, in the NHL draft. And that's, I think, one of the things I took away was that when it is that you had a very unconventional path, but their core values were still manifested in you, no matter what depths you were able to go to.
3: It's I'm sure they saw, you know, not to give myself too much credit, I'm sure they had worse cases than me for students uh from worse backgrounds that no we
2: called the school they they didn't have anyone worse than you
3: (laughs) uh, i i know of a lot of a lot of guys that i went and i touched about it on my book that went there that came from you know native reserves and had you know less opportunity than even individuals in public school and they went on to be lawyers and accountants and it's like they they look back and they're like how did i get here how did I go from where I was to here? And I, I have such a good relationship with a lot of the guys. I don't use their real names that I talk about in the book. And, and they, they all say the same thing as me is that this that place is the best thing that ever happened to me. And it still runs today. I'm a, I'm a big supporter of the school. And, you know, the very guy that expelled me did the forward for the book. I mean, you can't make that up.
0: Right. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. That,
2: that was impressive. My life. So, Christoph, the uh, I, said that <laughs> did I did it. the thing right. you said not to do. Right. I may have done that on purpose. Hey, just uh, I I'm trying to did. get that hatred we, we wanted we later. Christos.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: Um. This book you've discovered recently. This book's already doing pretty well, and a little better than you imagined.
3: Yeah, I uh, I woke up in my condo in Summerlin, and I you know poured a coffee like i do every morning and someone sent me a text message and, and it was like you little fucking weasel and i was like <laughs> what and i looked at it and it was number two uh wall street journal yeah uh, for nonfiction. so i obviously got a little teary-eyed and then later that day found out um hit the usa today as well so it's it's exciting it's overwhelming like i had said i mean i just wanted to make some friends laugh and it's doing uh, a lot better than that and i hope that the movement continues so more people can kind of latch on and and learn from it and and not make those same mistakes yeah and i can't can't.
0: and you're raising money for a good cause i mean that's 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 really that's really admirable
3: and it's not so much the money as the most important thing is is swabbing is getting into the database and and those websites are on the book i'm not an expert so i don't want to dive too far down there but the more people that can get in the database um for leukemia and several other diseases they can be a match for someone that needs a bone marrow transplant and you can literally save someone's life. And, and through Manny's efforts alone, it's has been quite a few people that are alive um, be, from those efforts, which is amazing. Uh, absolutely amazing stuff.
1: And th- th- <laughs> this is exactly what I mean. Like, this is why I, I'm not just saying this because we've got him on the show. You need to pick up. So the name of the book, again, because I want to make sure we mention it a few times, is Wild Dogs, an adventure in adolescence. You can get it wherever books are sold, wherever you get your books from. And this is exactly what I'm talking about when I talk about redemption and sort of changing the path of your life. This is what I mean. When you read this book and when you understand, because you're going to do exactly what I did. Everybody's had these relationships. Everybody's had those friends that you call out in the book that have specific personalities. And you could, you, could, you could lean on them to be your wingman and all those different things that you express in the book. So you automatically pick up on these relationships because we've, we've been there. But there is also that that tale of redemption that you bring through at the end there. And it's it's a big one. I mean, again, this the reason I asked you about going down a different path had this not happened is because as I read this book, I saw somebody who was troubled for whatever reason that was, and I don't mean troubled in terms of...
2: bad seed. Yeah. I mean, somebody
1: who just had, had started down this path of doing these pranks and these pranks were escalating and they were becoming bigger things. And you were now actually breaking laws and things of that nature. It could have taken a very gnarly turn. And instead we're talking to somebody who's got the number two book on the bestseller list. And that's quite a flip. Thank you. Yeah.
3: And I mean, here, here's one thing I always like, when I think about, I relate it back to like, there's some things I talk about and and it takes a lot of brains to come up with these these pranks that you're doing. The only difference is when the prank was over, I'd be continued to laughing where most of the guys and girls went back to their studies. Right. So that's, yeah. the, the difference is that they were able to do the malarkey and the education. And I just was screwing around the whole time.
0: Oh, and, no, no, don't, don't, don't be too hard on yourself though, man. Cause I, 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 I too, <laughs> no, 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 no. All that aside. Look, look, look I, I have ADHD too. Yeah. And I went through a lot of that, like there's impulsivity. I mean, I, am reading this book and I'm like, there's some prefrontal cortex stuff going on here that, you know, yeah, the, sure. and, and that you, it doesn't mean that you're not a good student. It means that you learn in different ways because obviously you're incredibly bright, um, you know, with all these things that you're, that you're pulling and doing and stuff like that. I, I mean, it's, it's obvious. Um, but uh, navigating all of that with, you know, you know, being neurally diverse and having uh, having these extra challenges, it, it is it is hard for people to fathom that don't have that parade going in their head all the time. Yeah. So you, you, I mean, you made it pretty far. My wife's kind of an expert in this, so she always tells me, you know, hey, uh, you have ADHD, and it, it, had you not done blank, you'd probably be in prison right now. So, yeah. it, you know, there's there's a turning point that you hit, and um, you know, luckily, you know, luckily you're not in prison. Well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ruin it in the book, but I think uh, I I think there's there is. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good stuff here. And, and I don't want you to feel bad about, you know, uh, having those, those struggles. Cause, cause you can, you can hear Steve, it. In, I, in I in just want to interrupt voice. you and
2: say that I have hoped that he could still reach prison someday.
0: Right. Yeah. Oh, well, so I don't want you to limit calls. him. Yeah. Well, he's got <laughs> the skills. Like he, he could clearly, he could clearly run the joint. I mean, yeah, right. right. Yeah. I mean, Right. Uh, I, I, I,
3: I'll, I'll say that like I didn't get the I never got the education there obviously the marks will show that but I got the values right I didn't I didn't get the values when I was there and certain things would happen into my life like you know unfortunate friends would pass away and I always retreated back to the the core values that Per Murray uh, instilled in the educators at the school and I was like man this is hitting me now right and they told me this was going to happen and it scared the shit out of me because I was resisting it at first. And then I just eventually embraced it and uh, open arms, these people and the trust. We did a charity event for Mandy like nine years ago. And here you have this delinquent that went to school there. he's like, Oh, this guy's, this guy's not going to do a charity. This guy's going to do something in the form of a charity and burn us or, or and all these things that sure. we expected. <laughs> but they were like, Hey, we trust you. And I was like, Something's not right here. But they did. They did, and it went off. And like I said, we raised a lot of money, but it's not the money we need. People to, to swab and get in in yep. in the um, in the cycle and in the system.
1: So, Christos, let me ask you this: So, you you've mentioned a couple of times that you wrote this book basically just to make you and your friends laugh. Yeah, uh, the book's doing really well now. Do yes. You, do you have another book in you?
3: Um. We've talked, you know, with with Tucker and, and the guys at Scribe of like, you know, because what has happened to me since is is a pretty wild story. Um, I do, but I'll tell you, I started writing this one in two thousand six. So when you sit there and you read it, and you're like, wow, this is so descriptive. And how how is this guy's memory so good? It, it's that I I literally started writing it a year after I had graduated. Right. And I had everybody's graduation write ups to go on, and um, it's. I would love to. I'd love to get the stories out there if, if they help people. And I was like, ah, oh, like I said, to, to make somebody laugh. But if it did this well, I think I might have to. And I, I don't know if this is going to be my career now, but it, it's so far so good. It's been it's just been wild.
1: Yeah, I kind of tend to agree after reading this first book and seeing the success you've had that it would be it would be a shame not to get another book out of you. OK, yeah. I
3: promise you guys I will do
1: it then. Your OK, my work. great. We're going to hold you to that, by the way. Steve actually will hold you to that.
3: I don't yeah, know if you can I, tell, but I Steve-
0: have a tendency to show up at people's houses when, <laughs> when things 2035.
3: 20, 20, it'll, uh, yeah, release date. just, uh,
0: well, but you know, I'm going to cut you some slack. Cause I, cause I totally understand how getting stuff done is, uh, not, uh, like, I don't even know if I'm going to finish the sentence.
1: Yeah. Just ask Clive Barker. He'll tell you that Steve is not afraid I think, to show up. I think, think,
3: I think, I think it was more incredible of hitting the wall street journal is that a a guy with full-blown ADHD actually completed something,
1: right?
0: Yeah, exactly. You should put that on a t-shirt.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to wrap up here, Christos. Uh, honestly, you're you're welcome back on the show anytime. You write another book, you write a pamphlet, you got something to say, blog post, whatever it might be. You come see us. We'll have you on the show anytime. I I absolutely love the book. I know the guys love the book. We were talking about it earlier today, off and on. We Now, listen, we got this book on... I think it was sent to us on Monday, maybe Tuesday, uh, maybe Thursday of last week. Sorry, my days are getting mixed together. The point is, we just had a few days to read it, and all three of us just chowed right through it because it is a great read from start to finish. So, again, if you guys out there are listening right now, you want to support a great cause, and you want to read a really good book, go pick up Wild Dogs, An Adventure in Adolescence. It's available wherever books are sold right now. Christos, anything else from you before we let you go?
3: I appreciate your guys'
1: time and the opportunity and
3: it was a good interview. Perfect. I felt very relaxed.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, Christos Kaliguru.
0: Woo! All right, that was Christos Kalligaru and thanks thanks so much for being on our show and thanks for doing such a great uh, uh a great job Woo! in bringing awareness to uh, a very important uh, cause for bone marrow cancer and 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 getting swabbed. Uh, we're gonna go to a commercial, and we'll see you in a moment. Yeah, we will. Howdy, folks! This here's Tiny Tex Thompson, owner of Tiny Tex Thompson's Texas Tiny Houses. By now, you've probably heard of this tiny house craze that everyone's been talking about, and you've also, no doubt, heard that everything is bigger here in Texas that's why tiny tex thompson's texas tiny houses only carry the biggest tiny houses you'll find on the market today they're texas (laughs) size now you might be saying to yourself well heck tex i don't want to poop in no compost bucket hanging from the side of a refrigerator this tiny house life just ain't for me well partner that's where our texas sized tiny houses come in don't want to poop in a bucket great our tiny houses have two to three spacious bathrooms each with their own functioning toilets, bathtubs, and showers. But Tex, I don't want to sleep in no loft above my kitchen. Me either, buddy. Which is why Texas tiny houses feature master suites that measure close to 300 square feet, and bedrooms for each of your little buckaroos measuring out to just over 150 square feet. You want a two-car garage in your tiny house? Done. You want a large dining room that can host Texas-sized parties at your new tiny house? We got those too. My guarantee to you is that you won't find a bigger tiny house on the market, or my name ain't Tiny Tex Thompson.
2: Excuse me, Mr. Thompson? Why, yes sir. How can I help you? Well, these aren't tiny houses at all, they're just, well, houses.
0: So come on down to Tiny Tex Thompson's Texas Tiny Houses off of Woodbury Drive, north of Highway 99, where the only thing bigger than our tiny houses is the smile you'll leave with on your face. Hey, darling, I'm gonna need some help getting this body out of here.
2: The Pope in Roman Catholic tradition is known as the Supreme Pontiff and the Bishop of Rome. The position of Pope is thought to go back to biblical times when Jesus was speaking to Peter, whose name means rock, and told him that upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Schisms aside, there have been over 260 Popes, and the current Pope is Francis from Argentina, who is known for his humility, kindness, and mercy for the poor. This has been Tracy's the Pope still doesn't want Steve on his side of the foosball table minute.
0: How do you take that Steve? Uh, With cream and sugar. Thank you. That was a little bitter, right? (laughs) Just a little bit bitter. Oh my gosh. But okay. Yeah. I, you know what? Pope Francis, I I'd play foosball with him, but if he doesn't want to, that's that's cool.
2: Um, I think he'd send you off. He's like, I'll just play by myself. You go get some anything else somewhere else.
1: (laughs) What, you know, while we were uh, doing that interview, so my daughter, so the way that it was supposed to work tonight is my kids are back in soccer. And we're going to get to that in just a second here because I have thoughts. But... My uh, my daughter was supposed to be at practice with her friend. They had a makeup practice this week. Typically, our my son and my daughter have staggered practices. It's my son Monday, my daughter Tuesday, my son Wednesday, my daughter Thursday. Tonight, they're having back uh, practices on the same night because one of them had to have a makeup practice. So my wife took my son to his practice. My daughter got taken to practice after school by a mutual friend that's on the team. So she's there. So I get this frantic text from my wife saying... Lily, my daughter, has she's the way she phrases it is she's been in an accident. Uh She's not hurt bad, but she is hurt. So I'm immediately like in a complete panic, and then I read so a little on the bit. You're
2: driveway checking your car to see if Lily oh, backed no. into your car.
1: But I read a little bit further down, and and it turns out she just got tangled with a girl in soccer, and she fell on the ground and bonked her head, and and she's gonna be fine. Like. It is just one of those things. I think more than anything, she was probably just probably got a little hurt because she fell down in front of the friends. It was a bad tangle up. She was I'm sure she was emotional afterwards and didn't like that. She was emotional, got a little embarrassed. She's getting to that age. So anyway, she's home. I've talked to her. Everything's good. Daughter's fine. Thanks for asking, Steve. So anyway, so what this brings me to, though, is soccer. Soccer. And more, more importantly, winter sports in general. So there's there's two things that I classify as winter sports. And I know soccer is played year-round, and I know it's fall that we're about to go into, but I clump these two together. Soccer, I, I don't mind professional soccer. I don't mind watching European football on TV. I don't, it's, I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, I hate soccer, soccer's stupid, play a real sport. Nothing like that. What I hate is as a parent who is a parent of a soccer player in fall in Seattle, is you are standing in torrential downpours for some of those games in mud that's almost up to your ankles while these kids kick a ball around on the field that they can't even effectively kick because each time it hits the wet, muddy field, it just sort of dies and stops. Right. Yeah. So these games, you get done, the parents are soaked, the kids are soaked, everybody's muddy, everybody's miserable and yet this is the sport that both of my kids unequivocally say this is the one they want to play above all other sports every year, so I'm not getting out of it. And then soccer transitions right into basketball. I love basketball. I watch the NBA playoffs every year. I love the NCAA finals. I watch the tournament. I watch it all. That's not an 8-year-old trying to throw a ball at a hoop. That's not an 11-year-old trying to throw a ball at a hoop. Even now, when my kids are older, they're 10 and 13 trying to throw a ball at a hoop. These games end up being... I mean, you walk away and the final score is like 24 to 18. You're, these right. are not high-scoring, energetic affairs. These are kids dribbling balls off their feet and bouncing them out of bounds and doing all these different... Th- so this is my dark period as a parent where I go into... I. I feel and I know I'm going to look back on it at some point someday and say, man, I'm glad I went to all those games. I got to see my kids play. I got to see them evolve as athletes. I have no desire to go to them currently in this day and age. It's I have to force myself to go. Steve, I feel like you're the type of parent who actually is the opposite of that. I feel like you actually enjoy going. You find ways to enjoy going to Zach's events.
0: Um, it it is enjoyable to me, uh, to a point. Okay. So I, he, we, for some reason we didn't do a lot of sports. Um, he did some little league and I ended up doing some umpiring for that. And I know you do coaching and I, I know you're involved in that, but, um, but umpiring is a different deal. Uh, nobody likes the umpire. Uh, nobody, nobody is, no, no, including my son, my son didn't.
1: And regardless of the age, you can be coaching yeah. kindergartners. Yeah, it, it does not matter. And the parents hate you, and the players, the kindergartners hate you. Like, nobody likes an umpire. Nobody likes a referee at any age, and it's it's terrible, because most of the time it's either a dad who's not getting paid or it's a high school student who's making, like, 15 bucks to referee a yeah. game.
0: Oh, yeah. And parents no treat kidding. it
1: like it is the Super Bowl, and these people have it. So anyway, back to you being an umpire, See.
0: Well, I, I, I enjoy, I, I enjoy being part of, you know, his games doing that. Um, going to track is different, is a different deal because y- there's a lot of you sitting around and rooting for kids that you don't you have zero yeah. investment in because your kid is only in two events and those events last 15 seconds. And that's a total, like yeah. my, my kid throws a javelin, um, you know, Four times that's 15 seconds, yeah. right? Yeah. Compress. Um, so it's uh it's it's not there's not a lot going on there. I I enjoy going, I but I'm right there with you, Dave. I was like, I'm like, you don't want to stand out in the rain, you're in control of what activities your kids do. They're not having soccer this year. Yeah. That's yeah. you know, that's yeah. what it is. Tracy, uh, you're the I wild. I know they have soccer later t- later parts of the year, though, right? They could do soccer then, there, right? There is.
1: There's spring soccer and thing, but they have sports that conflict with that. My son plays a lot of lacrosse, has for a long time. He can't play soccer at the same time as lacrosse. So, Tracy, you're the wild card to me. I could see you either being like, I'm totally into it. I don't care the weather. I like watching my kids. I like cheering them on. But I could also see you being a kindred spirit with me on this. So where do you stand?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm bipolar on this. I can uh, I can turn on a dime on this. So uh, I've I regularly go to all my kids' games, and uh, whether it be baseball or soccer, uh, and I enjoy them. My middle son is on a uh, pretty decent uh, soccer team in uh, in a good organization and uh he likes soccer quite a bit so he has a good soccer iq which that that's important because when the game that's a game that can you take a couple steps down it doesn't look like soccer anymore right it it looks like something else and so when you talked about like you know the european game you're talking about something described as the beautiful game what kids play in the northwest in the fall is not the beautiful game it's not even recognized as as anything but Um, I always look at it as a little bit of measurement of grit, a little bit of their ability to be able to handle things. Also, just sometimes just not be good at something or face against somebody who's absolutely better than they are at something and struggle to compete. And uh, it's such an important lesson if you're going to take away anything. So I try to cling to that. And if I don't, I go to that dark place that you were talking about. And it's ugly. My wife does not want to be around that. My kids don't want to be around. The neighbors don't want to be around it. My church, my church doesn't want me.
1: Well, and the, you you mentioned this and it's it's true. It's, it's human nature. So it's not, I don't want any of you self-righteous parents to go like, I would watch my child anytime. If your kid is on a team that sucks and is getting the doors blown off them, I don't care of the age that extends the season in your mind by tenfold. It the the season gets ridiculously long. <laughs> I at that can't point.
2: imagine what my parents went through watching my high school football team. Oh my! We gosh. didn't.
1: My high school basketball team that I was on did not win a game my senior year. Not one game. And basketball seasons are long. We didn't win a single game, and they they came to every single game. Same kind of thing, Tracy. Like I don't I don't know how they did it, but I want to parlay this into. I don't remember if I shared the story. I'll keep it brief in case I have, but I wanted to talk to you guys about parents sort of going overboard. And if you've witnessed this at youth sporting events. So speaking of lacrosse, we were at a lacrosse tournament. This was during the COVID times. So it wasn't that long ago. It was about probably six to eight months into COVID. And this small town up North got somehow managed to pull together like six teams to play in this sort of little round robin-y tournament it was all outside. We still didn't know. We were still learning, even at that point, about the virus. So even though it was outdoors, everybody had masks on, even though we were plenty far apart from one another. In other words, everybody was being extremely cautious while we had kids running around touching each other and coming in close contact on the field. But yeah, the point is, <clears throat> we had this little tournament. We threw this, or they threw this tournament together, and our team went. There's a team that is notorious in our division for having two brothers who are twin brothers Who, look, we all have played against somebody regardless of the sport where you've got you're supposed to all be 13 year olds. And there's the one kid that looks like he's 28 and he is ripped and muscular and has a mustache. And you're like, there's no way this kid is 13. Well, we had two of them. This team has twin boys that are massive, giant farm kids that look like they were chiseled from stone at the age of 13. And they're both dicks. They're both just, <laughs> just assholes. And these—I'm sorry, I you know—I know they're 13-year-old kids, but trust me, if you saw them play, you would you would nod your head with me and when say they, you're when right. When they if, write
2: a book, <clears throat>
1: we'll that's We'll right. have
2: them on in yes. 10 years, yes. And we'll get the redemption part of it. But right now, we're in the ugly stage.
1: Trust me when I say these two ain't writing a book. So the these <clears throat> kids are notorious throughout the league, and they've hurt kids. my son went got invited to play in in a special game about a year and a half before that and one of the two twins was there and this twin in the middle of this exhibition game picked my son up and slammed him through the scoring table wwe style the table collapsed in half all the cards went up in the air my son being who he is just got up and ran away but it, it was an exhibition game, and this kid seriously tried to hurt him. I mean, there was no question what he was trying to do. And that was when he was, like, 12. So these kids are, are just a menace. So we played that team, and both of these kids are on that team. So our parents are already on edge because they know this team. They know what these kids do. And right out of the gate, they're using lacrosse sticks to hack kids in the head. You can hear sticks bouncing off heads everywhere. They're decimating kids out on the field. They're running full speed into their backs when they're not looking and knocking them down. So parents are starting to get
2: agitated. You're right, <laughs> you can hear those poles on helmet. You know what the sound is? Correct. Yeah, so, like a pickleball court. Yeah.
1: So, so as a parent, in that situation, the way that it should work is you should either talk to your head coach, or you should talk to the referee during a break or whatever it might be, and just say, "Hey, look." check out these kids, like, keep an eye on them for me, please. That's all I ask because they're getting really aggressive out there. And I don't want any, in other words, there's a way to, you start at a base level and you see how it goes. The problem is we have history with these kids. So our parents started at the exact opposite end of that spectrum. And what they, <laughs> what they did is they started getting chippy with the kids, you know, Hey, 76, Why don't you take it back a notch, you're being a jerk. They're trying to, nobody's swearing or anything like that, but they're, they're trying to, you know, talk to the kids directly and finally, one of the two twins turned to one of our our moms who was sitting in a lawn chair and said, go F yourself, lady. Only he didn't say F. He said the the full spicy language. The, the word. He said the word. And she immediately stood up and flipped her lawn chair back behind her and said, you want to go? Let's go. Oh, shit. To which this kid said, let's go meet in the parking lot. This was during the game. The game was still happening around them. He, he said, let's go meet in the parking lot to then one of the other dads who's completely not related to her in any way, shape or form is just a dad on the team said, I'll meet you in the parking lot. Take your stuff off. Let's go right now. So then parents stepped in front of him and said, I don't even want to say his name. We'll, we'll call him, I don't know. We'll, we'll give him my uncle's name. Barry, We'll give him my uncle's name, <laughs> <Barry. Randy. laughs> we'll we'll name Daryl. Everybody said, Daryl, chill out, knock it off, be cool. So the next time out, I happen to be good friends with the coach of that team. And that coach is painfully aware of these two kids because they've caused kids on his own team to quit because they're too rough in practice and all these things. So I go over and talk to him and I say, look, these kids are, they're trying to fight the parents on the sidelines. It's (laughs) turned into this thing. They're swearing at each other. I need you to address this. And he did. And the way that he did that was he came right over to our sidelines. He waited for me to get back came right over to our sidelines and then dressed our parents down saying, you never challenge a kid to a fight. What are you thinking? This is not the way that we do this. I will kick you all off this field. In other words, sort of turned it on the parents, which in turn, then all of those fiery, angry parents, as soon as he leaves, do exactly what Tracy did. I don't know if you were meaning to do that or not, but they all, I got the slow head turn where every head turned to look at me. So all of a sudden I've got all the fiery eyes of the parents on me because I, I effectively in their eyes ratted them out <laughs> Even though I really just went over to him and said like, hey, get your kids in check because parents are trying to fight kids and kids are trying to fight parents and this is going to get ugly. So all of that, just as a way of saying, Tracy, Steve, Tracy, we'll start with you. Have you ever seen bad, and I mean bad, parent behavior? And if so, what's your best story?
2: Well, it's, I will say that since my kids have been, when I was younger, yes, I did. Uh, But since my kids have been in sports, the closest opportunity there ever was, was uh, my last, uh, my, this last baseball season, uh, my son's uh, baseball, it was the playoffs and their season ended at the plate in a very close call. But what made it really awful was that uh, the umpire was in the wrong position. So sometimes when you're making a it was this is one of those things when you're trying to expose yourself to the third base side so that you Mm -hmm. have a good vantage point but you close yourself off right so i don't know for sure if the call was safe or out or what it should have been but i do know this the last person that could have called it was the one who did and so then you end up with a situation like it is and i will say this there was an intense buildup. You know, like almost like when you're gonna sneeze and it's coming and it's built up inside and it's gonna just blast across, and then all of a sudden it stops. That's exactly what happened. There was some sort of magical force. Yeah. Perhaps the Pope himself. the finger
1: under the nose. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, Tracy, because this is okay. So based on what you just said, are you the type of parent when these things are starting to build? Are you are you jawjacking with the parents or are you the ones sort of taking a step back and saying like, Hey, everybody <clears throat> like talking in ears and saying like, okay, all right, let's, well, here's relax. the thing. My
2: voice carries yeah. anything that I do. So even casual comments that I have on the side, I've had parents complain. Like you really just shouldn't say that. I'm <clears throat> like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Right. I was talking to my wife and she said, well, you said something that was like, I'm like exactly what? And so I've had to have comments with other parents over the years about nothing so I am way, way, way careful before I'm, if I'm going to spout off, like I drop, I'm the, I will do basically a mic drop. I don't want to do that. I'll be that parent. It'll be caught on, uh, on a, on a phone and then I'll be on uh TikTok with 60 million views.
1: And you're, you're right. As far as voices carrying, Steve, we're going to get to you, but the, I was at a lacrosse game once on the sideline with the parents. I was standing about three rows back. So a good, I would say easily a good 10 feet off the field, if not more. And one of the refs was at about midfield, almost dead center in the field. So quite a ways away from me, half a field away easily. And I said something to one of the parents standing next to me about, I it was just some chippy comment about like, we'll see if Napoleon Dynamite can make the next call or not because he had Napoleon Dynamite's hair. And as he ran by the next time, he said – I'm paraphrasing because I don't know the exact line from the movie. But he said, shut up and eat your sandwich, Tina, as he ran by. And he said it directly to me. So I knew knew that he had heard me. Voices carry on fields, and parents don't often realize just how much – Tracy, you've got a deep voice that carries naturally even when you're not on a field. But – Voices can go a long way, and it starts a lot of shit on fields because you think you're making some little smart-ass comment to a friend or a parent standing next to you, and all of a sudden, eight heads turn around.
2: Yeah, and I've had uh, opposing—in i have coaching soccer, I've uh, had opposing soccer coaches come up and say, because a lot of times, like, I was encouraging our kids to celebrate or congratulate their teammate if they had made— a good, a good play because they were often kind of like played in silos and I wanted them to sort of play as a team and be aware of what they were doing. And so uh, when we had gotten up and just, were just killing this other team uh, the other coach had come by and he said, I really don't appreciate uh, you encouraging your players to just rub it in our faces. So, and he was not able to, uh, um, to understand a higher um, concept. Right. So (laughs) I responded by just trying to explain to him, that yeah. I was a lot smarter than he was, and then there, just well, uh, left the field. But he was still mad. No, nothing. I, no matter how many times I yelled "shut up," he would just not calm down. Right,
1: Steve. How about you? Any out of control parent stories that don't involve our own parents at our own games in high school?
0: Um. So when when you and I were on Newflex, I think <laughs> you and I, you and I were on the, the Nuflex New Newflex uh, Little League team. Yeah. Which uh, which by the way took uh to, you know took the championship. Um
1: yeah, we, we did. I, uh,
0: it's the only it's the only uh trophy I think I have. I have um, my trophy
1: right over right on the other side of the office.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, and it. I will carry that 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 I'm buried with that trophy. Yeah. That's that's yeah. how that goes. Yeah. Um but uh that that was a that was a phenomenal season. But there was um there was a parent um of one of the players that took it upon himself to go stand behind one of the more timid the kid that was signed up by his parents that did not want to be there. It had,
1: n- had no interest in playing ball whatsoever.
0: Absolutely no interest in playing ball. They, they, they stuck him out in right field because that was the last place that anybody ever hit a ball. And it, it was basically doing him a solid, right? Um, and, you know, one time the ball gets hit to him and he had a difficult time. Nobody on our team gave him any crap about it. Right. It wasn't. But one parent took it upon himself to go out to right field and stand at the fence and yell at this kid about all the things he did wrong and how he needs to shape up or he's going to let everybody down. And that kid was in tears. And I don't know at that point in my life if I had ever been madder. At somebody, I was, you know, I'm standing. I don't know if I was playing second base or whatever, but I could, I could hear all the shit that this guy was saying, and I was, as a kid, I'm like, wow, man, you know, I, I'm, I'm in elementary school. There's yeah. nothing I can do yeah, yeah. about this, you know. Well, that, and so that, and I guess
2: that's my question: is did the kid eventually shape up? Yeah, right. <laughs> that
1: that that dad would typically do that same thing every game but to his son he never yeah. shut up yelling at his son for the things he was doing wrong he wasn't standing the right way get your feet apart get that glove down like uh, over and over and over you could just because again quiet field and, and this guy was not being quiet in any way shape or form but yeah steve i i know exactly who you're talking about we yeah. don't need to say his name but i hope he's dead yes
0: yeah. <laughs> okay uh the other thing uh, you know as a as an umpire the th- I, I got some, I got some crap from, from the, uh, the stands about some calls that I made and they were right. Like a couple of those calls that I made were, they were not, they were not right. But once you make them, it's, it's, it is what it is. And now, do you, that's,
1: do you get apologetic or do you dig your heels in?
0: No, I, I, you know, it's, it's kind of code not to say anything. You, you don't really, you just like, look, I did it. But, yeah. um, Uh, it's like it's it happens it's over the kids have to learn from that there was one call that was so bad that i um uh that after the game i did apologize to the kid
1: sure um sure
0: because because i had a call that was made on me on the new flex team yeah uh that was so bad that it made me upset and i've carried it around for the rest of my life and i wish that umpire would Uh, reach out to me and tell me that I was right Right. because that's killing (laughs) me. We could uh, have him on the show. Yeah. I did not let this kid down. I definitely sought him out afterwards and said, Hey, look, you were absolutely safe. I am. I I, I made a terrible call. Um, You don't have to carry that around. And he, he said, all right, you know, but I did have a parent um, stamp. And this is the one thing that I do stand by. Um, I, I was really, I was I, I was I was good at the the field position and and doing all those things. I mean, I, I worked. Hang on, really are we hard. talking
1: about when you were an up or when you were playing?
0: When I was an up. Okay. Um, you know, making sure I was standing in the right place so I could see everything, and making sure I I worked with the, the umpire team. The two or three umps that were part of the team worked really hard together in that organization, and that was that was really great. But um, and I still made some bad calls. But my my strike zone was dialed in. Like when a kid was pitching and I was behind the plate, I could call balls and strikes and I was, it doesn't matter if it was outside or inside. It was, it's all about consistency. It can't be up here and be a strike one time and then be up here and be a ball another time. I set the strike zone and then I stayed in that strike zone. So I was really, really, um, really solid on that. that's a lot harder
2: than people think. Oh Uh, God. It takes seeing a lot of pitches to be able to do that with consistency.
0: Well, it, 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 it does. And I, I really, I really worked on it and it was really important to me, but I'd have every once in a while there'd be a parent that would stand behind and, and they would call it before I would call it. And that was, Oh God, that was annoying. <laughs> it was like, you'd hear, you'd hear a strike. And I'd be like, I'd have to, I'd have to take a beat and then call yeah. it a ball or a strike, whether it was a strike or a ball It doesn't matter. That's a voice in my head that I have to completely erase and then, you know, replay that pitch in my head. It didn't happen often, but on occasion it was there. And I, and I, and I literally had to tell my wife to sit down and let me do, no, she, she was always, she was actually always really supportive of me. There was, there were a couple of calls where she's like, yeah, you really botched that. Um, and we talked we
2: talked about it and she was she was right. I Maybe this is a good I time awesome. to talk about you shutting up.
1: Yeah, well, I was, you know what I was just going <laughs> to you know what I was just going to say is Steve is a master at uh you can throw any topic out and Steve weaves it back to completely away from topic at how good he was at something.
0: That was really great at it.
1: <laughs> nothing that to was... do with parents fighting, nothing to do with parents going over No. The,
0: it was parent, I, but I had I had some parents. I never really saw, like, parents do horrible stuff. Um, uh, well, you would have seen it
1: with those eagle eyes calling those strikes and balls like you could. All right, yeah. let's find out what Tracy has in the headlines. <laughs> and now, straight from the Dave and Steve Show News Desk in beautiful Anytown, USA Plaza, it's Tracy Green with this week's headlines.
2: Strike! Our first story, no video games will be released for the foreseeable future in China after the government suspended the approval of all new online games indefinitely.
1: I don't know if you guys know this. I'm in video games. (laughs) Never Uh, heard of that. There's a ginormous, ginormous Chinese company called Tencent. Uh, they dominate the mobile space. they own they own companies that you wouldn't even realize that they own. Like it's it's one of those like Chinese conglomerates that just buys up, gobbles up everything. And I want to say their stock or their overall value fell by like 60 billion dollars. It was something ridiculous. Maybe you have it there in the story, Tracy.
2: Yeah, the Chinese authorities maintain a strong grip over video game industry, which with each new release, having to go through a strict approval process to obtain a license. Now, new video games won't even reach games for months or even years. According to the South China Morning Post, the ban was reportedly revealed during a meeting between Chinese gaming companies Tencent and the authorities. Neither the company had uh, anyone comment on this suspension, uh, which has been uh, yet been given uh, no end date.
1: For those of you who aren't, in the entertainment industry, or even if you aren't, and you, you may know this, what I'm about to say, but if you watch the trend in both film and games over the last, say, 10 years, you can actually, if you, if you sort of start to watch for it, you can pick up on films that are very much marketed towards China, that they yeah. want to do incredibly well in China. They're American movies, or they're American-made movies, But as an example, and this is just a random example, they will have a very strong, smart Chinese head of a massive billion-dollar company as part of this movie. And they're a focal point of the movie. And the reason for that is because they want this strong version of a Chinese person in their movies so that when they market it to China, it can do well in those. And so you're seeing this with games. You're seeing this with movies. You're seeing this where... People are deliberately—because for this very reason, China has its own closed infrastructure. It has its own closed internet. It has its own closed everything. And so people for years have been trying to sort of break into that Chinese market because when you have that many people, if you hit just a fraction of them, you still eclipse just about anything you do anywhere else in the world in terms of sales figures, numbers, all that kind of stuff. And so— the video game industry was just starting to make a dent in China. You were starting to see them really work their way in as opposed to, for example, a game like Fortnite that is just beyond massive. What typically happens in China is a company in China makes its own Fortnite knockoff. That's almost exactly like Fortnite in functionality and everything else, but it's the Chinese version so that everybody in China can play it. Now you were starting to see American companies sort of get in there and and work their way in and now this has all hit and sent everybody just sort of scrambling back again because now <laughs> it, it doesn't affect adults, but you've got the kids, which obviously make up a massive portion of this. If they can only play three hours a week, as as the old saying goes, the juice is not worth the squeeze.
2: Yeah, and this is not only happening. This is the president there who is uh, doing what's called a uh, remaking of society, and they are rolling back a ton of targeted industries uh, video game industry is just one of them, but uh, there are, and th- these were these came on sudden and uh, have uh, people um, uh, quite quite literally billions of dollars uh, have been lost in investment due to the fact that uh, of uh, the state intervention there in those markets.
1: yeah I wasn't I wasn't wrong. I looked it up just to make sure I was right. it was their their value dropped by 60 billion dollars yeah. when this hit. That's
0: crazy. 60 billion that's 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 a big hit but i will say that the byproduct is we're we're seeing um a lot more diverse stories out there in the content that we're seeing and and um we're not just a wash in um in the same you know demographic faces we're seeing it's that's kind of nice i swear Um, to god
2: i swear to god i will punch you yeah, that's <laughs> where. Yeah, I would rather just go on and talk about Harry Potter. We're getting, good, we're getting good. good stories. Lord. Good hey, content. our second story: Jean-Pierre Adams, the former France and Paris Saint-Germain <gasps> defender who spent 39 years in a coma, has died. He was 73. An a point in tribute, on Monday, PSG called him the club's glorious elder. Now his charisma and experience uh, command respect. And so, Paris Saint-Germain offers its condolences to the family and loved ones. So this man was in a coma for 39 years. I
1: I don't mean to be disrespectful, but how can you have charisma in a coma?
2: Uh, He was French. Oh, well, that answers it. Coma, coma, coma,
0: coma, coma, charisma. Uh
2: So Adam's cared for by his wife, Bernadette, uh, has been lying in a coma at home in the southern French city of Nîmes. Since uh, 1982, he was injured in a match and required knee surgery. But during the operation at Lyon Hospital, an anesthetic error caused him to fall into a coma. Oh, this is Dr. Error? that
0: put him in a 39-year coma?
2: Yeah, I think uh, in... Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, much, I didn't uh, have
1: any dramatic music to play there. dong. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah i hope uh, you
2: get that in in post that's pretty much it uh yeah you'd have to go to an army hospital probably get into a coma for a knee surgery here but uh 39, uh, 39 years nine years yeah i cared for man imagine what
0: who knows what kind of mindscape thing was happening on i mean
2: that poor guy or what so kind of where, where what- are you guys on this how do you guys want to go out
1: well, not in a 39 year coma because I'm going to make poor Sandra Bullock sit next to my bed that entire 39 years hoping I wake up and then I'm just gone. But yeah. for for me, like, listen, everybody says this. Uh, I I don't care. I just want it quick. I don't want to know what happened, whether it's a bus or some heart thing or whatever it might be. I just want it to be fast. I don't I'm not looking in. I, I, I'm, I'm not a uh, I don't like the suffering thing. So don't give me the suffering. Just let me uh, let me kick it.
0: I heard a story one time about this thing called a Sable round, um, which is a depleted uranium uh, casing uh, tank shell that is fired at another like um, tank uh, you know, or armor armored vehicle. And when it hits, it super pressurizes everything inside right. the, inside the tank and turns it into a mist. Yep. And if I could, if, if, if somehow I could just be turned into a mist instantly, I think that would be the way I'd want to go because yeah, I don't think it would hurt.
1: But if you're gonna go mist, and I'm with you. But if you're gonna go mist, you want that mist to be like while you're surrounded by people in a Dairy Queen, like oh, so oh, that it's oh, yeah. just
0: oh, oh, everybody
1: yeah. gets the effectively the spray bottle of Steve right in the face and all over oh, their food. But, the, but there's nobody to blame. You're just you're yes. just you're gone.
0: I that looks like a strawberry parfait. <laughs> you ordered a peanut butter. Oh my god. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: And it's half eaten and then yeah. you just realized oh. how much Steve you've uh, just uh, ingested.
0: What about oh, you, it's, Tracy? How, how, ha- delicious. how do you want to uh, go? I
2: want to go uh, basically in a fiery car crash yeah. with uh hopped up on cocaine with yeah. a news helicopter above my head and maybe so a supermodel be- or three. Well, I don't know. So
0: do you want, do you, but when you, when you're in the fiery car crash, do you want to uh, die on impact or do you want to burn to death? This is a very important answer. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Uh,
2: can I still choose mist what? at this point? <laughs> I want, I want everything up to that to be just awesome, and, and then, then just hit the mist, mist button.
0: I, here's here's mist is the jaws of life. I think we can get him mist. Here's
1: here's what I get from this whole thing: is I said I want to go quick. Steve, at most, and this was my doing, but Steve, at most, said he wants to go quickly by himself, but maybe spray a little mist on some people at a Dairy Queen. Tracy wants to take three unfortunate souls with him. He literally said, hopped up on coke in a sports car with three
2: prostitutes with him. Now, Dave, I said supermodels, not oh, prostitutes. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Supermodels. Let's not sully this sad, yeah. sad topic already. I, I mean, I already died yeah. in this story. Right.
0: Nothing's going to
2: happen. Yeah, so I'm not talking about anything. I just methodical. picture a just...
1: fiery crash. Three supermodels that are, you know, a little bruised up and and a little singed, maybe walking away from it all. And as they walk off into the sunset, one just looks at the other in the moonlight and says, "You want to get some Dairy Queen?" And then they just <laughs> okay.
0: okay Dave, roll credits. Best best <laughs> car, best car, and worst car for Tracy to for this to happen to Tracy. In best. Oh car my
1: gosh, uh, the best mm-hmm. car would be the Smokey and the Bandit uh, Pontiac, uh, without a doubt. Like because. Oh, no matter what, they're going to say, like, and did you see the car that he went out oh, in? Oh, this is
2: a Trans Am with a T-top? Yeah. 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 yeah okay. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. Worst car is probably going to be, uh, I would pr- 81
2: Chevy Chevette.
1: I was going Ford Pinto, but yeah, we're right in that same wheelhouse, Tracy. How about you, Steve?
0: Oh, I was I was thinking like a Yugo or a Gremlin yeah. <laughs> or something. You just really, really tiny. Or a Honda CVCC, like yeah. super-
2: it's like a East German Trabant or yeah. something like oh, that.
0: Yeah. 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 Or like a three wheeled Morgan. I'm <laughs> <laughs> <That's, laughs> um, glad you guys do. I think best car. Best how do you, how right, do you
1: get like, three supermodels in a three wheeled
0: Morgan? They're very, very skinny.
1: Oh, all right. And and then they just, they just slip and right
0: they're... in. Yep. And uh, let's see. Yeah. I think like maybe like zebra three um, would be like a really great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Really great car for him to go out. What in. was like, that?
1: It, was it called the Coyote? What was the car from Hardcastle and McCormick?
2: Because that'd be kind of cool yeah, to go out in exactly into. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yep. Uh, Tracy's shooing people away and moving on to his third story.
2: Yeah. So a Florida man was fed up with a uh, private road, okay, in poor dope. condition near his uh, home. He had a novel solution to plant a banana tree in a pothole to warn motorists. <laughs> away last week brian raymond planted a tree in a stubborn pothole along honda drive just off u.s 41 in care to guess gentlemen yeah oh i don't know where 41 is so i am gonna say
0: um tallahassee
1: uh so steve is go- let's see steve is going tallahassee i will say pensacola
2: oh very good uh the, is uh, south fort myers Raymond, who owns Progress and Pride Fitness Group, said the idea of planting a banana tree ripened in his mind after having to (laughs) fill holes in the street with cement a couple of times. Because Honda Drive is a private street, county officials said it's up to the business owners to maintain the street. And for Raymond, the banana tree is a uh, attention grabbing uh, repair. We have to maintain it and make sure nobody gets hurt. We are going to get something obvious there to make sure that nobody. Gets in the hole.
1: <laughs> I just picture this because this is Florida, and, I, mm-hmm. and Steve, you would be the one to do the voice. But I picture this guy effectively saying, "Like I was pouring the coals to my old lady, <laughs> and I just thought the best way I had an epiphany. The best way to plug a hole is with a banana, but I can't just put one banana in the hole. How about a whole banana tree? And there was the idea, and that's where it sprung from. Now we're not
2: going <laughs> to.
1: <laughs> great we're not going to back the whole tape up and do it now but that's what i picture
0: yeah yeah <clears throat> i got the idea of these nanners uh i put the put the nanners in the in the street and then people come and and they park the car around the nana tree they don't they don't go in the pothole and uh and they're they're welcome to a nana if they can climb the tree and get it uh a lot of time they ain't right that's but how the uh, roundabout was born Yep. And that's, mm. how, that's how you go around and around. And then you just go. You go. I
2: heard that somewhere. Our fourth story the lesson of Goldilocks. The one can have too much of a good thing, even when it comes to the size of a chair, It's applied in fields of astrobiology to economics. Now it seems it may even govern our free time. Researchers have found that while levels of subjective well being initially rise as the free time increases, the trend does not necessarily hold for very high levels of leisure. The sweet spot is a moderate amount of free time, said Dr. Marisa Sharif, a co-author of a study from the University of Pennsylvania. We found that having too much time was associated with lower subjected well-being due to a lack of sense of productivity and purpose.
1: Well, that's okay. So that's going to be my clarifying question is what exactly is free time? Because I can, I can have as much free time as you can give me. And by free time, I mean, if I get to noodle around on my guitar or play video games or whatever my, I consider that free time. I'm not just sitting in a chair, staring at a wall with my free time. And I can do that free time that I mentioned, whether it's playing with my kids, goofing around, playing board games, playing guitar, whatever. That is what I classify as free time. Cause I'm not at work. I'm not doing work stuff. I can do that forever. And I would never, I would always feel fulfilled by doing that kind of stuff. So I'm curious what exactly free time is.
0: Yeah, I, I I classify free time, you know, kind of like credit card debt. Like, uh, I, I have a lot of projects that I still have to do, and while those projects aren't happening, any time that I have is me just basically only paying the interest on uh, on those projects. So it's not really free time. It's, um it's, it's time that I'm, that I'm, you know, just putting out the project that I need. Like I'm clean. I'm not cleaning the garage, but I'm doing something else. Yeah. So I'm, I'm still it So my time will never be free until all the projects are done.
2: Yeah. How about that? All right,
0: there we go. Totally killed.
2: Researchers (laughs) warn that those who are considering leaving their careers for additional time alone should consider possibly buying a hot dog stand or something. (laughs) That's the news fellas.
1: All right, I want to give one more thanks to the author who joined us tonight. His book is called Wild Dogs, An Adventure in Adolescence, and his name is Christos Kaliguru. Uh, You can find it everywhere. Uh, books are sold. Go get it. Go get it now and know that all proceeds go to a very good cause. Steve, on a related note, so Christos, at a certain point in his book, talks about losing something that was very important to somebody else. And how it has affected him to this day and and how he still feels bad about it to this day. As I was reading the book, all I could think about was breaking the peg off your G.I. Joe Cobra tank (laughs) and how important that tank was to you and how I still feel bad about it to this day. I you
0: thought should about not Steve. feel bad.
2: I thought about Steve losing his Swiss Army life. Oh yeah, that, oh, that's that, what, that's I, what I thought
0: that. about when I when I read that. I, I was like, I was like, oh, I know how that guy feels. And, so he, our, and our thoughts both the went to Steve at the hey, same Yeah, time. it is
1: interesting that both of our thoughts turned to Steve.
0: But Dave, you don't need to worry about that. His <clears> tank, you know, I, we still have it. It's at my parents' house. My son plays with it. It's totally fine. That foot peg was glued back on. Everything was totally cool. I overreacted.
2: He just
0: burped. He just burped
1: (laughs) right in. See, I'm bringing things up in you. I'm bringing emotions up Uh, in you. They're uh, they're making you gassy. That's so
0: gross. Um, Anyway, no, no, that's, that's, that, his tank has character now. Don't, don't feel bad about that in the slightest. I I still feel bad about it. That's, that's, that's part of the kid that I didn't like back then was the hothead.
1: The hot, you were you put the hot in hothead hey next week i'm not gonna be here i'm gonna be in new york city i gotta travel for business so tracy and steve are gonna be holding down the fort i don't know what they have planned i don't know if they're gonna record a show i don't know if they're gonna put together a best of steve is nodding his head yes to recording a show they are recording so, so we're gonna see well, how that goes um, i haven't asked
2: tracy sorry man it's so yeah we're recording sure it's so assumptive on myself. I, i'm uh, bringing some supermodels i can where, where are you going dave what are you doing
1: Well, it's business travel. I got to go for business. So uh, I will be there from Sunday through Saturday. Come back on Saturday. So uh, I will not be on the show next week, but I cannot wait. I personally cannot wait. And I mean that in the most positive way I can. I can't wait to see what Tracy and Steve cook up while I'm gone. So looking forward to it it.
0: can scream no right in In my hotel yeah yeah
1: uh while while i'm listening to it i'll i'll scream that at the back of the the cabbie's head as we bomb through the streets of new york so uh for this week we're gonna wrap things up and get the hell out of here tracy anything else from you
0: nope
2: not for me
1: steve how about you
0: good i'm good everything's good
1: all right then we're gonna get the hell out of here for tracy for steve for me dave we'll talk to you next time right here on the dave and steve show